Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this Monday's edition of the Wealth Creation Show. Today, we are going to be covering the laws of wealth creation. How are you, Jim? Yeah, really good, thanks. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a kerfuffle than I um, <laughs> phrase from. Funny enough, I've got his colour on as well from Simon Wheel um, <laughs> to get set up because I'm obviously we're in, I'm in Spain. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so if you're uh, setting things up a wee bit there, Jim, then obviously that's fine. The six laws of um, wealth creation is what we're covering today. There's quite a lot in this today. Really good content. I think for anyone who is embarking on the journey towards financial freedom and wealth creation, it is a rewarding and empowering experience. However, and, and probably in your experience, Jim, you'll probably find that the reason why a lot of people fail to achieve um, is due to the lack of knowledge uh, about wealth creation. And also, some other people might not have the confidence. And I, I'm a big believer in if you've got knowledge, confidence comes with that. Yeah. In, in, any, in any aspect, if you have knowledge about something, knowledgeable about something, then you'll have that confidence to um, excel in that field. And wealth creation is no different. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, wealth creation, it's not a get rich scheme. And we covered that repeatedly. It's something that you really need to be invested in over a long period of time. It's a lifelong journey that requires patience, perseverance, and willingness to adapt to changing circumstances. Look at how we are just now with the economy and inflation and how things are having an effect on people's investments. You need to obviously be prepared to change with these kinds of circumstances and be prepared as well. Developing your growth mindset and cultivating good financial habits. And you can steadily increase your net worth over time and achieve your financial goals. God, if I could do anybody, for goodness sake. <laughs> but, you know, just, I mean, no formal education, yeah. homeless, unemployed, no skills, to, for, mm -hmm. say, for want a better you know, phrase, and, and I still manage to do it. So if, if I can do that, surely everybody else can do this. I think it's about what I'm reading just now is uh, James Clear about atomic habits. Yeah, it literally is just these wee marginal gains every single day, which will fundament, fundamentally change your overall mindset over a, a longer period of time. And everybody gets caught in the everybody gets caught in the the the, the moment. Yeah, the, the, you need to have the medium to long term vision in order to understand where you need to go and how you need to get there as a result. Now, most people on Facebook and around YouTube will see me looking over here because I'm looking <laughs> over to TikTok because TikTok's streaming over in this corner. So hi, guys. Um, I, I, listen, again, everybody, if you've got any questions, if you've got anything to say, then please feel free and say it. You know, um, let's be kind, though. Um, yeah. the, the key here is to help everybody else and help ourselves as well. And it's a, it's a rising tide lifts all ships. You know, yep. So it's, again, these marginal gains coming back to these 1% improvements every single day, but 1% improvements in every single thing you do. And it's that, it's these habits that will form. And I'm pointing all over the place because it is habits all everywhere mm -hmm. in terms of how you do it. So it's not, it's, and I keep, I say this to a lot of my customers, actually. When I sit in front of them, I don't say, well, we're the best estate agent and for this and for that and all the rest of it. I say, I'm not really sure how we do it but we still managed to get significantly more at the end than every other estate agent gets yeah. over the home report value um, for even a similar type of property. So we get that exceptional result, but I can't put my finger on the one thing that actually does that. What I can say to you, it's the 1% improvement that we do in a hundred things that we do 
and make over that 100% improvement overall about how we're doing it. So, it's, it, but but more importantly, it's a compounding effect that comes with that as well. And yeah. this is this is why we talk about the the six laws of wealth creation because this incorporates it as well. And and people will say, oh, I've heard all this before, the, the laws of wealth creation and everything like that. It's like, I are you rich? Like, <laughs> are you rich? Do you do you follow them? Have you have you I, been successful you, by following them? If yeah. you're not the top one percent wealthiest in Britain, and I don't talk about the top one percent earners, I talk about the one percent wealthiest in Britain. Mm-hmm. You've certainly got a long way to go if that's the case. So you should be listening to things like this. Yeah, I, I agree what you say, Jim, with the with the added value type thing when you we talk about their business model and things. There probably isn't one main thing that is the cause of that. It's a lot of contrib- contributing yeah. factors um, that give that a better result at the end. And like you said, today we are going to explore the six laws of wealth creation. And they do help you create a plan of action to take control for your financial future. And they also embrace principles and committing to a plan, which is really important. And you could unlock your potential for financial success. And that helps you pave your way towards a, pros- a prosperous and fulfilling life, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. we've got your experiences off that, Jim, in this what show. About, what we're about to talk about is pretty boring. And I'll, I'll just prepare people. Boring pays. Pretty boring. But I tell you what, boring plays well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's getting the basic fundamentals right that makes up that overall improvement at the end. The first one for me is uh, stop losing and start making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you, you'll get the you'll get the adverse people that goes, it's not all about money. And it's like, okay, stay skinned for the rest of your life then if that's the case. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> I'll just keep prospering. You can stay skinned if you want. But generally, have you tried it yet? Because I tell you what, it does help. <laughs> it helps you make easier decisions. It helps you do things. It, Bill O'Brien. Now, Bill O'Brien used to be one of my mentors. Now, Bill O'Brien ran, ran Martin Marietta. Now, Martin Marietta was the was the people that put the Viking probe on Mars, and that was Bill O'Brien's personal project. And it's like, wait a minute, you got access to Bill O'Brien. Yeah, you're down tooting at it. This was years ago before I first started in property. Mm-hmm. And Bill always used to say, he says, Jim, you know, there's there's one greatest thing he used to say, and I've got it on, <laughs> I've got it on tapes and everything like that, because I still listen to all these things. And I still remember in my head going, it's like there's there's never anything you can't solve with beating it to death with a bag of money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and for some people they'll find that really crass. But let's be honest, we're on a wealth creation show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so so don't kid yourself, it does help. <laughs> um, so you know that's my and, and I'll start mentioning things like you know like that when we come through this. But th- there's there's no doubt many of you would agree that a successful strategy for creating wealth is to cut your losses in the short in short and let your profits run. However, many people still invest in assets and lose money rather than financial assets that generate growth and income. It still happens. Yeah, you know. Uh, let's have a discussion about this, to be honest. I'm five minutes ago, I walked along the, in this bright sunshine. It's 25 degrees here, by the way. And <laughs> um, the beautiful I sunshine. I think it's one degrees here. And, and Elaine says to me, maybe we should just sell the house. And I'm like, what for? <laughs> because I like it. And she says, but it's really just costing us money. And then we could just go and rent somewhere every time we come here. And I'm like, no, because I'll be out here four, maybe five times a year. There's a precursor to <laughs> to me, to me retiring um, four or five times a year but I will work out here as well 
because um, I did have a sales agreement with Praia Concert, which was the biggest house builder in Spain, um, for this development uh, years and years ago. Um, but we didn't pursue it after the credit crunch. Um, but I can resurrect that if I want. But I still will work out here, and I'm working out here right now still. Um, so for me, it's a it's another place I can go to and actually still continue to work and do what I do. Is it really work? Have you loved what you're doing? Possibly not. Um, I would say so. So I think that's the thing where that's what comes into my mind about this. This actually does this cost us money, and then I think about maybe it costs us a thousand pound, you know, a thousand euros a year for the maintenance, for the property maintenance, for the council tax that we'll have for some of the electricity yeah. and utility bills. Um, but overall, if you go and book a two-week holiday in really good a really good area uh, like this, because this is a, a five-star five, five resort for this area, um, if you go and book something like this, um, you will be about three or four thousand pounds. So it'll save a cost you a few thousand, yeah. So I kind of think, well, what's the bother? It's no cost me any more other than that every single year, so why would I bother? Uh, and it's somewhere I can go and I know everything and, I, and it's comfortable. Uh, and comfort for me is everything and knowing where everything is is everything because it then makes you far more efficient at what you're doing day to day. And if you become more efficient, you're able to use your time and your efforts on things that actually make you real money other than actually spending time. For example, the now I was down at the bank and we're sorting out the position with the bank and getting our ID and proof of address for money laundering and all the rest of it, mm -hmm. which was a requirement every three years in Europe. Um, to sort that out and get everything back on track. Now, if I'd been able to do that more efficiently, I wouldn't need to come here possibly, and I would have been able to spend more time doing what I should be doing, which is generating more money and adding value to other people's journeys, like what we're doing right now. Yeah. So instantly, many people are actually willing to spend years of studying to gain a formula, um, a, a formula, a formal education, with the expectation that they'll actually earn a job. This is another one. This is another one I used to get told by Jerry Hartize and, and Fred Hartize and that. And also Jerry and Mandy Scriven, Pat and Greta Gregory. Um, it's like, I know what's coming next. We, we spend all this time in education expecting to attain a job. It will pay enough to enable them us to sustain our desired lifestyle. Uh, and then when it comes to educating ourselves about creating wealth, um, we spend all that money on doing that. And then we come to educate ourselves about creating wealth. We never quite find the time to do it. And it's, wait a minute, that, what you do day to day provides for your living. What you're doing right now, and possibly maybe people are listening to this later on outside of, outside of normal day-to-day -day working hours, will define your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Difference. One is getting by, and one is never needing to bother again about your circumstances. Your, your, your time and your money is completely free. You no longer You no longer fit into that equation of time equals money. Time does not equal money where I am anymore. Literally, we've become time lords because we can master time now. That's what this does. It masters time and money is made irrespective of the amount of time that you put in anymore. That is true wealth. Yes, because you've got things, you've got things obviously generating money continually when when you sleep at night, Jim, do you know what I mean? Because you've, set, because you've spent time to set these up and have them running that way. What a great feeling to go on holiday and come back and you're actually, your, your, your wealth has actually gone up as a, as a natural result of you going on holiday. I should go on holiday more often. <laughs> yeah. But that's for everybody. This isn't yeah. just about me, remember. This is about what you can do. What mm -hmm. you can do. That's in, in, in everybody out there. You know, the person that's actually listen, looking at this and listening to this at this point in time, this is all about you 
I mean, I've got what I've got. I could just sit on the beach for the rest of my life and never bother doing anything like this ever again. But I feel our responsibility and some sort of some sort of responsibility and morality to actually take people with me. Um, and this is this is inbred into me from the very beginning, where you know my mentors used to say, "Jim, we'll see you on the beaches." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And literally, that's what it was all about. We'll see you on the beaches of the world. Come with us. But I and it's not, like, and, you know, you have to earn the money and, and the wealth to actually come with them. But that this is what they used to tell me every single time. And I used to go, and used to send you wee postcards going, "It's fantastic over here, by the way." <laughs> Drinking a pina, pina colada. <laughs> but it was it was all mo- prime motivators to get me going and actually get me doing something and motivate me and keep me going into where I really wanted to be. I wanted to be with them. I wanted to be on the beaches of the world with them. You know, that's that's ultimately what one of my goals was. And, you know, I've I've achieved what I wanted to achieve and I've achieved other things as well. And one of the things I'm going to achieve is what I've always thought about in the beginning. And it will be in November this year. But we'll we'll talk about that. We'll probably broadcast from that location in November. And uh, and you never know. Somebody special might turn up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you said at the beginning of the show, though, Jim, if you could do it, anybody can do it. Mm. It's it's for everybody. But you need to obviously follow what we're talking about today in, in terms of reaching that, that place. The majority of us are, live, are, are, are perfectly willing to live from paycheck to paycheck, which means that you'll literally have to work harder every single time and longer to create an income that will actually satisfy your needs in the future. The desire for individuals to have whatever they want now and pay for it later means that many forgo the required planning process process to ensure that they've sufficient wealth in retirement because they want it now. We live in a microwave society. Ping. We want things instantly, every single time. This is what society has created. This is what the media wants you to do. This is what all the marketing and advertising on television and on all these all these social media platforms want you to do. Instagram is probably the worst for it. You see the best of everybody on Instagram. Yeah. Trust me, at some point in time, their life is pretty shitty, but they just don't show you on Instagram because they want you to buy their product. They want you. They want you to. They want you to buy into what they do. That's what they're wanting you to buy. I mean, you know, what am I asking you to do? Oh, I'm wanting you to be wealthy. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they want you to buy something, but I actually want you to be wealthy. Two different mindsets there, isn't there? So they dispense with that because they think they want everything now, you know, credit cards and all the rest of it. I mean, I've got credit cards would instantly give me 100,000 in credit, just like that. Do I use them that way? Never, never, ever. Everything gets paid off straight away at the end of the month. They're only for convenience to do what I need to do. I need a credit card to get a car, a higher car. I don't even have a car out here. I'm not interested in having a car out here. We'll get a car when we need it. Some people where we are all have cars. They all keep them here. And it's like, what a waste of money. It's like you've got to pay for insurance. You've got to pay for maintenance and all the rest of it. So this is what, that's that's the thing about stop losing money and start making money. Identify the things that you make money on and stop doing the things that you don't make money on. Monetize your time. It's important. It's the only thing. I've never heard anybody get to their deathbed and said, I wish I spent more time doing something which was completely irrelevant. I wish I spent more time cleaning the house. I wish I spent more time doing the garden. No, nobody wants to do that. So why do you not create the wealth so you can pay someone else to do the jobs that you don't want to do? That's another big driver for me. 
that was a big, big driver for me. So don't fall into the trap of instant microwave society. Um, but but and, and make sure you have make sure you plan for your future and the sufficient wealth and resources to, in order to do that. Spend some time doing it. We're, we're, we're right here, right now, doing this. So get out a pen and paper and start writing down some of the things what you're thinking in your mind about what you really want. Oh, but I might have to achieve it. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> it's really good to write things down and brainstorm. And yeah, definitely. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that are, are afraid of success even. Oh, if I get too much success, I'll just be overwhelmed. I hey, get the success first and then deal with that if you want. You know, you can you can always knock it back if that's the case. Um, so based on experience, I feel that many people don't give enough time to what, what they thought is the laws of wealth creation. They take it for granted because they've all they already because they already understand them. Uh, they do not need to give they already understand it, they do not need to give, give the attention they actually deserve. Uh, so let me ask you. How many of you out there are truly building a nest egg to ensure that you're financially secure for your retirement years? Do you know how many? I, I could tell you right now how many that is. It is five percent of the population. That's how which many is, do that. Which is not a lot of people in comparison to obviously the, the vast obviously numbers of people that are probably looking to try and create wealth but they're not actually how doing do it you, Richard I'm glad you asked me how do you know it's five percent how do you know it's five percent Jim <laughs> <laughs> do you know how I know it's five percent because it's always been five percent it never changes you have to choose by your actions and your habits here we come again these habits whether you're going to actually move yourself from the 95 percent that don't do it to the five percent that do do it because I started off in the 95% group and then I moved to the 4% group and then I moved to the 1% group. Yeah. That's who I got there. So it was a 4% group I was after first, the financial freedom, and then the 1% is wealthy, rich. That's what you want to be in. But even if, even if you get even if you get to the 4%, my God, what is no one else has got there. Hardly anybody gets there. But you have to choose. And some of these people that are in their 5% group actually fall back into the 95% group because of their actions. They get carried away. I'm rich beyond my wildest dreams. And then the next minute, they go and buy Ferraris and they go and buy, they go and buy big massive houses and they go and, they go and do what I'm doing right now is to buy a big villa in Spain or something like that. And then they, 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 then they lose it all. And that's why, you get, that's why you get the classic example about the people that used to win the pools or the lottery and stuff like that. That's why they ended up putting financial advisors in place, because they were winning the lottery, and literally within two years they were back to nothing again. Because they hadn't learned to keep the money, they'd continually spent the money. So this is why we talk about these six laws of wealth creation um, to hear. What are the six laws briefly, and then we'll cover them. Yeah, so there's six laws to wealth creation uh, that we're going to cover today. The six laws start with creating a roadmap for financial success, yep. spend less and earn more, which we've covered slightly already. Um, invest in your surplus wisely. Mm -hmm. Leave your investments alone and let them grow. Diversifying your investments and educate yourself about wealth creation, which is what we do every week on this show um, and, and every day as well and uh, in our day to day. 
But these are the these are the important sex laws. Can I just jump in? For the people at TikTok, I know there's people out there, and they have been given. Thank you very much for all the contributions you're making, because the content you're getting, you like, and that's fantastic. Whatever you give me on TikTok, just goes straight to charity anyway. I'm not remotely interested in it, but it's fantastic that you do it. But it just goes straight to local causes. So if you're ever contributing anything on TikTok, thank you very much, and we'll just give it straight to any local charities as well. So that's the people that benefit as a result. So thank you. Um, okay, so let's talk about number one then of the six laws, creating the, mode, the roadmap for financial success. Um, the, I mean, the first step really is the long-term wealth creation is to develop a well-defined roadmap that will guide you towards your achievement, achieving your financial goals. By following these steps, you can create the personalized financial plan that you, you help to navigate your journey through financial success. So the first one for me, step one is assess your current financial situation. If you don't know where you are, how do you know where you're going? Yeah. You need to know where you are right now. So by evaluating your current financial status, some people will be terrified to do this. But trust me, just do it. Unless you know where you are, you don't know where you're going. You won't be able to measure anything. What gets measured gets done. And what gets scheduled gets done as well. So measure, 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 measure. KPIs, key performance indicators. And I'm not talking about anything fancy. I'm just saying where you are right now, assets, liabilities, money going out, money coming in, all the rest of these definite, these things that you've got, just be honest with yourself. How much debt have you got? Some people are so frightened to look at how much debt they've got. They just don't, they just ignore it for the rest of their life. And they just keep pretending they're paying 200 pounds a month towards it. And eventually it might disappear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they just don't want to see it. Just be honest with yourself. Just come right down to earth and assess where you are right now. So that's one of the one first ones. So assess your financial goals where you are. You can't make improvements unless you do. Define your goals, your financial goals. Establish your financial goals. What is you want to achieve? This could be savings for retirement. It could be a fund for your children's education. It could be uh, buying a home. It could be starting a business. It could be uh, financial uh, funding for your children for their pensions. You know, I do that for my children. I put money into their pensions all the time from birth, by the way. You can put money into a child's pension from birth and you can create a pension from birth and they will automatically get the uplift from the government of the tax-free allowance up to the basic rate. So if you put up to if you put up to anything up to £2,880 in and if you put that in for a child in one year, they will top up to 3600 They will add that money on. So if you put up in a £1,000, they'll top it up for the same, the same proportionate amount as well. So this is why in the compounding wealth for your children for later on, and then teach your children for, with their children to do exactly the same thing, means that you will set generations of your family free just by just by creating and, and falling into that, into that habit, creating that habit of doing that every single generation after you. If they all do that for their generation coming after them, you will all set yourself free. You will never be dependent on a government ever again. And by the way, you'll never have a government in years to come uh, creating your pension because it will disappear, the state pension, and it will be lumbered onto companies. And you go, but my company will save me. Oh, by the way, uh, what happens if you're not working for your company? Because what happens if you're unemployed? You've not got a pension anymore. You're not contributing to it. And then what happens when you all retire at the same time? You've all got the same amount of income. So you're all you're all living off the same amount of income. So you've got the same as everybody else, which is actually where you are right now. So financial goals are really good. Break them down into short term, medium, long term objectives um, that you want to achieve. Um, 
establishing a, an emergency fund. I've got a funny feeling you've got an emergency fund, Richard. <laughs> I do. <laughs> talk about an emergency fund then. What is it? Well, I mean, when you talk about developing roadmaps and financial success and things, you need to consider setting aside cash reserves to cover at least maybe three to six months worth of like living expenses and things. So you've got something to fall back on, yeah. an emergency fund, basically. And this will provide you financial security in case of any unexpected events, such as maybe maybe you lose your job, maybe you've got medical emergencies or, or something that needs medical attention yeah. that you can't wait on an NHS um, waiting time for urgent home repairs and things as well. If you own your home, you're going to, you're going to have unexpected repairs at some point. So that is why you really need to have an emergency fund in place. And it makes good sense to have one. And yes, you're right, Jim, I do have one. Again, it's, uh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that straight away because I kind of thought to myself, you, you're pretty frugal with what you do. You don't actually spend so much, a lot of money. Um, so I kind of thought, you know, I know what you're, I know what you get. And I've made a lot of changes recently yeah. since doing this show and everything as well. And I know that. I know that for that reason. So that, that's the payoff, and that takes us to the payoff for the high high interest debt. So yeah. make sure you pay off your high interest debt first. So consider prior, prior this is again this goes back to my mentors when they first taught me. They thought, you know, in order to get your debt down, aim for the ones at the highest debt level first. And I don't mean monetary wise, I mean interest rate wise. So in other words, if you've got a credit card, which is mostly the highest interest rate one, and they're sitting at 34%. And the more automatic thing you say to yourself is, oh, I could just move that to a 0%. Martin Lewis actually teaches that, move it to a 0% interest. That's fine if you can move it to a 0%, then go for the next one in line. But if you're going to if you're going to be in a position where you, at some point in time you can't move that to another 0%, that's the one to aim for first. Yes. No matter what you do, discipline yourself to pay that one down. Because as you pay that one down, you're paying less money out in interest. Therefore, you're able to pay more money down on the other debt as well. Therefore, your debt reduces far quicker. And, and be careful. Don't just keep moving it to 0%, moving it. Just like, yeah. it's the kicking the can down the road thing. It is. It is. That's exactly what they're doing. Uh, review your insurance coverage as well, which is a good one. It's very important to have adequate insurance coverage to protect yourself, your family, and all the rest of it. Now, I have insurance coverage. Not for me, because I'm self-insured. No point. People used to phone me up and go, can I sell you insurance? I go, okay, but I'm self-insured. What's that? Well, if anything happens to me, I'm okay. I, my my income does not uh, does not rely on my ability to perform. Most people's incomes out there doing a job relies on your ability to perform, especially surgeons, pilots, dentists, because they need to see. They need to be healthy all the time. So they rely on their ability to perform. So they, they are in a difficult position. So that's why these these are the type of people that really should have insurance. Uh, and this includes things like, uh, for any financial setbacks, including like health, disability, um, um, and, and life, and, and, and even property insurance. Don't take these risks sometimes. If the risk of your house going on fire is, is pretty great, and you can't afford to take a hit of your house going on fire, um, then, then you better make sure you've got house insurance. It's pretty obvious because everybody insists that you're supposed to have house insurance, but there's some people out there that try to dodge it. And it's like for 200 or 300 quid a year, you really want to take the risk of having a fire and wiping you out for about 150 grand. Then you, would, then you would pay the price for a regret. Yeah, and, and literally, literally um, as well, as you can choose your excess. So my insurance from my buy to let is a thousand pound excess. I only need it. See how I'm okay with the self-insured for the day-to-day -day stuff. It's like if anything happens, but I'm certainly not okay with the with the insurance for 
um, the burning down a house for the, the breaking in of vandalism and ransacking a house, because that costs an absolute fortune. Um, so I, so I, I still cover Yeah, we've had that recently and we're covered for it. I've had it twice and we're covered for it. So that's it. And, and life insurance as well. Elaine has life insurance on us for a particular thing, for a couple of things that I just, I'm not comfortable with. If anything happened to Elaine, then it would have to be paid off. So I make sure she's got insurance for that term as well. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I've set it up. So it's reviewing your insurance coverage and, all, and where you are and your critical insurance as well. Monitor um, your, and adjust your financial plan. You need to regularly review this plan. So it, it, it's not the same every single time for me. I mean, we only started the insurance for Elaine maybe about two years ago. Um, to protect yourself and your family, okay, and make progress towards these goals. You'll also be prepared to make adjustments as circumstances and priorities and economic environments change. Now, this is all about creating a financial, you know, roadmap for financial success. Uh, you can take control of your financial future and you can steadily progress, progress towards achieving your financial goals. But remember, stay this is the key here, the big D word, discipline, patience, because that takes a lot. Because it's like all this money is going into accounts and you're thinking, oh, I could maybe, oh, I could have a holiday and I could do it later on. Do not do that. That's the worst thing you could ever do. That's just, that's putting you back in the 95% group, by the way. So if you want to be in the 95% group, don't watch this anymore. Switch it off. Forget what we've said. Don't listen to us. Because that's the 95% group. If you want to be in the 4 and five, four and 1% group, which is the 5% group, then listen on. So it's been patient and adaptable through your wealth creation journey. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about law number two? Yeah. So law number two is, as I, as I run through them and, and mentioned, creating wealth. As, it's about spending less than you earn. Which and is it's so important. You do. Yeah. And, that, and, and, and see, once you, you get into the habit of doing that, because a lot of people overspend, um, and it helps you to achieve your uh, to achieve your road to financial success. And it's, it's critical that you create a realistic budget and monitor your spending habits. However, it is usually this rule that creates considerable angst amongst people mm -hmm. and this is because most people don't have a budget but without one um how do you know maybe how much you are actually spending or how much you could actually save and that's and that's what you really need to think about spending less than you earn means that you total up your expenses including both essential and discretionary payment for things and less than your and uh, and make sure that they are less than your total income this principle simply em emphasises that you need to live within your means and avoid debt accumulating. Now, like you say, Jim, if you've got cards and things and use them for a, a matter of convenience, try and pay them off at the end of the month or, or do you know what I mean? Keep that, that the, those payments. Don't let those um, uh, get out of control and then be stuck paying minimum payments on cards forever, forever more. It's a, classic, um, it's a classic example of the cards. It's like, I'll just miss it this month and I'll get away with the £200 towards the bringing it down and I'll get it next month. But guess what happens? Every single habit you've developed to get that amount that month goes into the next month and you more or less add on the same amount the next month. And now you're snookered because you're now one month behind and you've got to pay that one month off that you didn't discipline yourself to before. You'll either pay the price now or you'll pay it later. But I tell you what, getting the bill from regret is pretty... But it's one thing you do not want to do. Definitely. And, and, and by consistently spending less than you earn, it creates this surplus of money where you could save, you could invest, or you could use it to pay off, obviously, existing debts and things, which in turn contributes to your overall financial stability and yep. your wealth creation. So practicing that principle is really uh, important. And then 
these are the things that you need to do, obviously, in, in order to spend less than you earn. Firstly, create a budget. Like I said, mm -hmm. uh, create a detailed budget that outlines your monthly income expenses. A budget helps you track your spending habits, that identifies areas where you can cut costs and ensure you're living within your means, as I said. Next is to prioritise needs over wants. This is a really important one and people just, it's so difficult for some people to, to uh, look at something and think, do I need this or do I really, or do I just want it? Focus on meeting your essential needs first, such as housing, food, utilities, healthcare, these are all important. Once these needs are met, allocate the remaining funds to maybe a discretionary spending on non-essential items and activities, like entertainment, dining out, vacations, these are all things that you don't need. What is a need, Richard, and what is a want? So, a need is obviously things like I covered, like the housing, utilities, healthcare, these are all needs. Wants are activities like entertainment and dining yeah. out and vacations. They're all so wants. Want, they're not, want wants are what are called variable costs, in other words, they yeah. vary depending on what you actually think. Oh, that would be great to have that. They're a desire. Need. Is I definitely have to have it because I need a roof over my head. That's the type of things. Now, in terms of my spending habits, when I was when for me, when I started my journey, I only needed more or less, and I keep saying every single thing, I, I just need a bed to sleep in. That's it. And a place to cook food. And I couldn't care less where it is, as long as it's clean and tidy and I could look after it. And that's all I need. Now, I would love to have this is a one, love to have a big house. I'd love to have more in gymnasium. I'd love to have this and I'd love to have that. And yes, I could have had that at the time, but I wasn't going to buy into that success trap because that's not success. That's just acquiring more debt and more ongoing costs. And that's one thing I did not want. So I was happy for everybody else that was in the same level as me because we were all, we all started an accountancy at the same at the college and that. And everybody was getting great jobs. And it's like, I've got a new car and all the rest of it. And I imagine, you know, if we had Facebook at that time, you'd have everybody showing off their new cars and their new houses and everything like that. And I just went, and I've just got my basic two-bedroom flat. That's all I need. It's an easy-maintained garden. It's got a kitchen. The living room's a wee bit tiny, but who cares? And I can do all my work under the stairs like Harry Potter. That's literally what I did. All my accountancy qualifications were studied for under the stairs where the Hoover and that used to be. That's literally what I did. I just lined it with shelves so I could put all my accountancy books up. I put my wee desk at MFI in front of it. I put my computer there, which was my Atari Mega ST. If anybody remembers my Atari Mega ST there as well. <laughs> and well, that's that's where I worked, literally. And and it was just tight enough for the door to close when the when the seat was in when I was there. And that that was me under the stairs. And, and I made it nice because I channel lined the top of the stairs so you didn't see the actual steps underneath. <laughs> I channel lined it just to make it look a bit better. <laughs> and literally, that's where I that's where I worked for all my all my time studying for my accountancy exams. Um, and and until and and I had to do that because basically Tony came along and and the spare room that well the spare room was basically a box room was taken yeah. and that was our two bedroom. And that's all we did. That, we lived within our means. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what needs and wants are. Um, we'll, we'll quickly, we'll, we'll quickly cover uh, three, four, and five about this, about this one. Not the laws, uh, but, but we're we're on this subject. As I said, um, we're about law number two: creating wealth, spending less than you earn. Yeah, yeah. So number three is the reduced discretionary spending. In other words, this is what we talked about. Is, is it really 
think about it, if you're about to buy it and you think, do I really need it? Then just say, just say to the salesperson, look, I'll tell you what I'll do, let me think about it overnight, and if I really do want it, I'll come back and I'll come back the next day and get it. Most salespeople will go, you're not going to take it. Well, that's the right answer then. That's what you should be doing. Because then you don't need it. You only want it. Increase your income. Additional, um, it's fine. You can reduce additional income expenses, but boost your income through things like side hustle, salary negotiations, freelance work and investments. High earners provide greater financial flexibility um, and make it easier to spend less than you earn, higher earnings. So uh, it's as well as cutting back, but there's a point, and we used to call it, when, when my mentors from these used to speak to me, said, Jim, Jim, there's only, in a business or in anything or even in your personal life, there's only there's only so much fat that you can trim off the off the meat and, so, yeah. and trim off your financial expenses. There's only so much fat you trim. And then what happens is you start cutting into the meat and eventually if you keep going, you end up cutting into the bone, which actually kills you in the first place. So don't get to that stage. You know, trim the ones that don't need that you don't need, and, uh, and 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 that's what you trim. But then more importantly as well, get the other side of the coin, which is actually increase your income. Look at other ways of increasing your income. Do the extra side hustles because if you increase your income now, the amount that you invest will pay you for the future. So monitor and adjust these as well. Regularly review your spending habits. Make it necessary adjustments to continue to spend. Uh, spend less than you earn. This is the old phrase about having too much month at the end of the money. Most people go through that. I went through that as well. Um, and But spending habits are quantified and, and we know how much we can save then if, the, if you quantify them. So this is about knowing where you are so you know where you want to go. And, and you then start to plan about how you get there. So we'll talk about investing, which is law three, investing your surplus wisely. And this is a biggie for everybody. At least 10% of your income. I'm like, oh my God. How am I going to be able to do that? Because I'm not in income invest. You have to start somewhere. So it might not be 10% straight away, but 1% or 2% or 5% or 3% or 7% or whatever it is, is better than no percent. So something's better than nothing. So literally in the very beginning for me, when the kids were born, it was like small amounts into their pensions. Then now it's like I can top them up to the end of the year to the maximum allowance. So they've all got that, and as well as other things, I put money into as well. So it's you've got to start. You've got to start small in order to grow a big. Um, it, when you when you when you put when you plant, well, look at an orchard. Look at you've got apples, right? Where does that start from? It starts from a seed from an apple. Just get the next time you open an an apple, look at that seed and think to yourself, that could be an orchard one day. And then you could reap the harvest from that one seed. But then think about the journey that one seed has to take in order to get that harvest at the end and the effort you have to put in in order to get that harvest. But I tell you what, once the orchard is there, after you've put all that effort in, every single year it produces apples. And you'll have a bumper amount of apples every year. But you need and to you'll have more seeds that you can plant to get more apples. See how that compounding's working? It works exactly the same with money. So in, in, get a lot of surplus. It's too often, it's what we do is, it, it, all, all too often, people do what simple um, and, and, and it's easy regarding what's what, rather than what's wise to, to invest. In. However, a wise investment is a must for capital growth and, 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 it, and it must give you income as well. If the investment doesn't have both of these, um, then you have to really think about the component when the components then 
something else is benefiting from the component and then you're not getting it if they don't get both of these. Indeed, investments uh, that do not have both components are considered average investments which you, which, in which you have to accept average returns. So make sure the investments that you're investing in actually give you both of these. It gives you the, the growth and income. Why do you think I invest in property? It's growth and income every single time. I invest primarily though for the income because I know the income can be invested to generate more income and generate more growth and generate more capital because the capital comes as a natural byproduct of the income coming in. So that's what that's for and that's the reason. I don't know anything else that will give you that sort of return out there. You do have companies like, you know, shares, stocks and shares as well. And um, we'll probably we'll talk about that. But there's lots of other ways of share trading that you can do that. So both components considered the best method of investing delivers both capital growth as directly to invest in shares and property. I, I, I can't say that anymore. Given the hard work uh, you do from paycheck to paycheck every single week, uh, you would invest the money, invest your time and money in learning how to do that. That's what it is. What you do during your day is earns your living. What you do outside of that is what we're talking about right now, earns your lifestyle. Now, remember, to ensure that you're successful, your investment strategy should satisfy the following criteria. You have to, you probably should really have some sort of exit strategy. Um, you should also have a rational uh, rationale for investing in a particular asset. Um, and, and let's examine these in more detail. The exit strategy, for example, uh, there has to be a muster of an exit. Uh, once you invest, it's also important to consider how you must manage your investment risk. In other words, you need to consider your exit strategy before you actually invest. Now, my exit strategy in property is actually sell, um, but ideally, I would like to pass them on um, on uh, generational wealth to the rest of my family because they earn money every single time. It's like passing the upper watcher on to the family because then it's generating. So if I sell them, if I sell my property, it's like chopping down the trees that bear the fruit. So why would I want to sell them? So see that analogy, how, how, how straightforward that is. You don't want to chop down the tree that bears the fruit. You want to see if you can pass it on as generational wealth to the next family. Or you want to pass it on as, a, as an earning asset and probably get more money out of it for that reason um, to someone else. Sell it to someone else as an ongoing asset, an ongoing investment. You know, for most people out there, they talk about property and they sell properties on with sitting tenants. And it's like, I'm like, happy days, money from day one bring it on and because you've got a limited market then you sell it at a lesser value than you'd actually get in an open market and then even more happy days what more could I ask for because I've got no intention of passing it a sale of selling it I'll pass it on the generational wealth so these are the sort of things you've got to think about but don't get too hung up on it just make sure that you understand at some point in time you'll have to exit but there's no point in planning the exit if you, if you didn't do the start <laughs> Because <laughs> there is people, paralysis analysis. Yeah, think analysis. about the end before they've even started. Paralysis analysis. Get every single detail down to the nth degree and get it all done before you even start the journey. And I'll guarantee you'll never start the journey. Because my friend is actually wanting to invest in property and he, we were walking the other day and he says, you know, I've never actually started in property. <laughs> and that, that's about 20 years. Look what I've done in 20 years. Yeah. huge difference eh? um, and that is the fundamental difference uh, you have to start you have to move forward it doesn't matter if you've not got a clear path so far the enthusiasm will take you forward at this point in time look at the whippet when he's in the when he's in the trap 
and he looks at the hair and he thinks I'm going to get that hair and I'm ready to go and ready to go and ready to go and then he opens the trap and he's like boom he's off like a rocket that's exactly how you should be doing it you shouldn't be going in the trap and going right I'll get my calculus table out and work out how I'm going to I'm going to catch this whip it, and, and I'll tell you what, I'll get to the top corner, and I should be doing five miles an hour, the whip it will be doing 30 miles an hour, I'll no catch them by then, so I'll have to increase my rate to 25 miles an hour. You will never do anything, if that's the case. Paralysis analysis. So, many investors are, are, are mistaken believe that if they, you know, if they, if they do all this analysis beforehand, they'll never, they'll, 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 they'll get started and they'll, they'll be able to do something, but it just doesn't work. It's not, it's not possible. I, I mean, you can invest in stocks and shares as well. Um, you, if you want to do that, um, primarily I just put pension and I've got it with standard life and it's UK equities. I don't want to sit and reinvent the wheel when it comes to property, uh, when it comes to stock shares, stocks and shares investment. Um, because then that takes me away from what I'm primarily the best at and what I'm making my maximum returns at, which is property investment and uh, and ideally being an estate agent. You know, I, you know, there's no doubt about it. I'm one of the top estate agents in Britain, <laughs> and I'll you know I'll say that quite modestly, um, and I'm quite humbled at the fact I am. But but I've, I've worked for it and I've got a gift for it because I've because I've put so much effort into it and I've become an expert in these fields. The last thing I want to do is try and try and start something else that's completely different to what I do because it'll take me away from them. So so you, you can do that if you want, but I don't think that's the right thing to do. So what is the rationale for investing in a particular asset? Well, if you don't understand the consequences of your investment strategy, you will be taking higher risks, for example, and there are a lot and there's a lot more probability that you actually could lose. This is why I've become an expert or or even an expert, well, X is a has-been and a spare is a drip under pressure. <laughs> so maybe I don't want to be an expert. I like to be a guru. Um, I like to think I'm some sort of guru in my field. Um, I've done enough hours. It's the old classic example about, I think they say if you do a thousand hours in one particular field of education, uh, then you'll become, you'll become the best at that field. Uh, I really want to come become almost like what an athlete becomes to the Olympics. You know, that is the pinnacle. And so for when it comes to property investing and when it comes to residential property investing, by the way, and when it comes to wealth creation and when it comes to a state agency, um, I want to be that Olympic athlete. I want to win gold every single time. I want to be the best in the world. And that's why I stick to my core competence. Um, stick to your core competence and, uh, well, stick to your knitting and do you eat your own cooking. That's the two things that Keith Cunningham used to say to me, which is rich dad primarily. Um, that's the type of things, and that's the lessons I've learned off of him. So media hype and speculation fueled by misconception in a marketplace for blue chip shares and stuff like that can often get you dragged into this. Look at what Bitcoin did to a lot of people. You look at that um, that fighter, um, it lost, I think it was 26 million in one year that he got from his fights, and he lost a whole lot in crypto because he put it all in crypto and he lost a whole lot. It's like, you are absolutely nuts. I would never, I've never invested in crypto in my life and I've got no intention to invest in crypto. I don't know enough about crypto. I don't even do foreign currency, even though a lot of the friends that I have do foreign currency trading and some of them make really good income out of it every single year. Like, you know, hundreds of thousands. Um, I know, I even know a foreign currency trader that actually, you know, it's got like, um, um, I actually went to his workshop and we sat there and he said, look, I lost 500 million in one year. Aye, and then the next year he says, by by year two or something like that, I had six hundred million. 
that's mental. That's crazy. He, he thought about that like blase, as if yeah. he lost 500 million and then two years later had 600 million. It's like, and I just sat there and thought, and this was a guy who was a fund manager as well. And I was like, I just sat there and thought, wow, this guy just talks about this as numbers, but he <laughs> understands the, the reality of, yeah, I'll get it all back because I know all the habits I've done to develop that. It's just only a market and market cycles because he understands that. So if, I've, if I was going to do anything else, if I didn't do if I didn't do anything what I'm doing now, I'd probably be a currency trader because that's where a lot of money could be made if you're a specialist. Greg Seckers. I was just going to say, as long as you know what you're actually doing. With Greg Seckers is actually brilliant as well in currency trading. So he's foreign currency, and so he's actually really good at that. And it's been in a lot of actually um, shows and all the rest of it. And so he's really good at that. But as I say, I stick to my core confidence. And a lot of investors can lose a lot of money if they don't understand. They like the dabble. Um, almost addictive gambling if i should say that mm-hmm. it becomes addictive to them they like the thrill they're not really bothered about the loss uh, that is not the way to make money it is not this is not a trial and error as you go to make money this is about creating wealth and wealth is created over the medium to long term it's not a get rich quick process it never has been for anybody that's wealthy no and i think that yeah there you go well, it has been for the overnight sensations, but the overnight sensations usually lose it all. Look at MC Hammer, bankrupt. Look at Chaka Khan, bankrupt about five times. You know, all these people you think are really, really wealthy. I look at all these stars. When I see them on television and stuff like that, the first thing I do is I run to their company and I look up their limited company because it's usually on the bottom of their, their, their website. And then I look it up and then I go around all the companies that they're directors of and shareholders of because you can get all that information. And then I realised they've not got a pot to piss in. Yeah. And yet everybody looks at these people and thinks, wow, they're so successful and wealthy. No, they're no. <laughs> <laughs> they need to work for the rest of their life because they've not got any wealth and they've not created any wealth. So for God's sake, don't listen to them. They have no idea what they're talking about. This is the old example about... I remember used to years and years ago, some of the older generation will remember this, how we used to take financial advice in the pub from our doctor. You see the see what's wrong with that? Getting financial advice from your doctor in the pub because it's your friend or your solicitor. And it's like, how on earth can a solicitor or a doctor? And it's only because these professions are were were held in high regard that people listened to them and thought they knew everything about anything. And when you look at that concept and you see that, it's like I couldn't advise anybody how to do brain surgery, but I certainly wouldn't yeah. take advice on financial and financial success from a brain surgeon if they had no financial success in what they're doing. They maybe be good at brain surgery, but they'll not be good at creating wealth if they've not got any yet. They're maybe living from month to month like everybody else. They're, it's called broke at a different level. Yeah. They've got all the fast cars, they've got the big lifestyle, they've got the jet set, they've got the, you know, the the the, the Caribbean holidays, they've got the Bora Bora and all the rest of it. And, but the, but literally, when it comes to the next year, their counter goes back to zero and they have to earn their income all over again to, to, to sustain that lifestyle. Well, wealth creation, when you come to the end of the year, your counter doesn't go to zero. It starts off from the same point that it actually ended and you build on that again. That's what wealth creation is about. So this is law number four. Leave your investments alone so they can grow. Do you want to cover something there about this, Richard? I think you bring us on nicely to that, Jim, when you say it's not a get-rich scheme and it does take time. And we covered earlier that it's a lifelong thing, building uh, and creating wealth. Yeah. And yeah, leave your investments alone so they can grow. 
this is the fourth rule, and um, I think Einstein referred to uh, this as the power of compounding as like the eighth wonder of the world. Um, and when you invest wisely, your money will earn interest, dividends, capital gains. And when you reinvest these earnings, um, uh, it yields uh, additional income because of the compounding effect. I get so excited about, about and it's weird. It's like, I get so excited about the concept of compounding and the fact that the money makes money on the money it makes money on that money. It makes money on that money. It makes money on that money. And every single month, the, the money it was originally and every money it came after it, it made on it is actually all making money. And that just blows my mind. And that's why Einstein did refer it to the eighth wonder of the world. And it, and it is the rule and, and the real key um, to wealth creation. Com compounding is a fundamental concept uh, that refers to the um, exponential growth of an investment over time as interest and returns are earned not only yeah. on the initial principle uh, that you that you but also as an accumulated interest of uh, like i say the investments um, and the interest and the returns on that investment you can earn interest on both the original amount you've invested and interest that has been added over the time as well yeah all right i think you've got to think about our time so the longer your investments are allowed to compound, the greater potential for a growth. I had it with, when I worked with Standard Life, people used to write in a year before their endowment funds were due to expire. In other words, um, mature, they called it. So their endowment funds were mature for their savings. They used to write in the year before and they used to say, I'm just wondering how much my endowment fund's worth or my investment fund's worth. And we would say, well, it's worth 40,000 now, but if you wait another year, you'll get 60,000 at the end so you'll make twenty thousand in that last year and they're like i'll wait another year then and see how that's 50 percent more in the last year and yet they started off and their total savings was probably about thirty thousand so they're only made ten thousand and on that thirty thousand to get to the 40 but the last year was twenty thousand that's like how on earth that's compounded so time is a big big thing for you rate of return is important as well the higher the rate of return on investment the faster your money will compound um, so the higher returns and then reinvest this is important as well reinvest the earnings so you know what i said there about property i never took any money out and i still really don't take any money out of my property investments i live day to day on the money i earn as an estate agent for your job that's what it is and running my companies i do not take money out of my property businesses for that reason i take the money out that was normally there for for factors i would say for for management fees because i do that that's what i do so that's what i live on normally what was there so i'm reinvesting everything else to go back into these into these um, um uh, vehicles because they are investment vehicles yeah. in order to compound over time so only when your investments are generating income and the growth that is equal to better than what you earn from working should you actually consider so this is why it took me from in my early 20s to 38 year old something like that um, or my late 20s actually 30 year old and um, before i actually left um my work because and and, and at that time you know it was 1.3 million net worth because i look back on it and and it was also i was earning six times of what i was earning in my salary as a financial controller and yet i was only working one and a half days a week to get that and my financial controller job i was i was working basically 160 hours a week i was, it was a 24 7. And, it, and i waited for that time because i realized then i would have to eat into that income 
if I didn't have anything, had anything else. And then I wouldn't have anything else to then continue to grow. And that would be me stuck at that. So that's why I went over and then was able to rely on that if I needed. And, if, and then build it from there and build on top of that. So I never saw I could retire because I've replaced my income because it's like, okay, you're just trading a job for a job. You will not grow any further. It will not get any bigger. So I needed to do that. You need to get over the hill um, a bit more in order to in order to come back and then grow from there as well. So that's law number four. Um, many investors actually prefer short-term gratification, dip into their investments, which is the classic example to do. They go on holidays, they buy the car, they do something unrelated. I've seen guys do it. BMWs, Teslas, all the rest of it. Lamborghinis, Ferraris. Um, we've bought a new house. We've gone to Dubai. You know, we've gone on first class and... And it's like they're living it up and they've only been at it for two two years. <laughs> and it's like, easy come, easy go. Bye-bye. You'll not be here with creating wealth in years to come. You'll be you'll be broke at a different level. Which comes on to number five, law number five, diversifying your investments. You want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, this really is crucial, especially for long-term wealth. Diversifying your investments is a really crucial strategy for managing um, risk and optimizing your returns and your investment portfolio to keep it obviously a healthy, a healthy portfolio and it involves spreading your money across maybe a variety of different asset classes I know obviously Jim like you say you do predominantly that's, that's residential property investment you do have other things though as well and, and involved in that and um, sections like maybe the stock market um, and things to minimize the impact of a single investment maybe when it performs poorly and, your, and it could have an effect on your overall portfolio. I think if you do property investment properly, though, um, there's, I mean, I mean, you could, you could what weather out really bad storms. I mean, look. What else like, do you need uh, to do? Yeah. I'm, I'm a great believer in concentrating on some world-class stuff that you do in order yes. to be the best in your in your area, and then monetize that and see if you can see if you can actually move into other kinds. I mean, we did it with the property management. We ended up creating a property management yes. division. You know, and then we created um, we created the property maintenance division, which is still mothballed now. But we originally created that as another income stream because it was a boat onto what we did already. So don't run out and diversify yourself. And and because a lot of furus, the fake gurus are out there teaching us diversify your income, and it's like diversify what you do. Well, jack of all trades, master, master of none. If you want the same as everybody else, then keep diversifying, keep diluting yourself, and then you become everything to everyone, but but nothing to no one, if that makes sense. Um, that's what happens because you dilute yourself so much. You're no longer seen as that guru in your sector um, because you dilute yourself so much. So for me, diversification and all the rest of it is a... Is a if it's done too much, I think if you I diversify too much... much. Yeah. a lot of rubbish don't diversify all that much get really good at what you do first and then move into another field uh, similar to it uh, bolts onto what you're doing complementary and then move into another field now that one but don't try to do everything at once because it's the guys that run about going i'm in property sourcing i'm in this i'm in that i'm in this i'm in that the only reason that they do that and diversify is because they've not got a real job so they decide to i'm a master of my own destiny no you've got another job but you're the boss which is even worse because you're not getting any pension <laughs> contributions. You're not getting national insurance contributions paid for yourself. You've not got any stability for your, you can't go on holiday because you've got somebody else to manage. As soon as you go on holiday, you're not earning an income anymore because it's relying on your efforts. 
that's why you that's why you get a job from with an employer and then build a life outside of that and wealth that's the that's the way i worked and that's the way it should work again you know doing it all yourself is reliant on then you individually on your own you maybe can build a business like what we've done here but that takes time and effort to do that that yeah. doesn't happen overnight and then people go and reward themselves straight away so that's not the thing to do so it's critical for long-term wealth um and some sort of diverse man but but you've got the things that you've got to consider in that is let me share what's important when we talk about that diverse man is the risk management different investments respond differently and the different ways you're doing things so you've got to you've got to you've got to manage the risk involved in that and for example if you've got that job if you've got that um, extra hustle, side hustle, if you've got that share portfolio you're working on, if you've got that property that you're actually investing in, that you're managing, self-managing, um, these are all things that take your time to do. Uh, and that, that's the one thing that's the most valuable asset and commodity to you, is actually multiplying your time. You be, you, be, you become a because I don't, I don't have 160 hours in the week anymore, I have thousands of hours in the week because I've actually created and multiplied my time where other people help me do it, yeah. like yourself. Yeah. So that's how you do that. So diversifying is, a, a, you have to do it. You don't do it poorly. Think about your next steps. Don't just jump into it. Speak to the people that actually know what they're doing. I've been there before. I have a track record in that and ask them what you should be doing next. The return of optimization as well I'm well diversifying into all these things, the potential and various opportunities that you're actually doing, deliver more consistent returns over time, invest in a range of, you know, different maybe asset classes or, or putting your efforts into something else or, um, and, and, and things that actually perform for you. Um, and this will have an unbalanced approach and optimize your overall returns and um, reduce your reliance on individual investments. Um, now, what do I mean by that? Well, I never had a reliance on my job after a while. I always had my investments that ran alongside. If I ever wanted to do a side hustle, I could do that because I knew I was able to do other things as well. To be honest, if anything, I could go out and teach this stuff and charge people thousands for it. I could I could probably sell courses at 30 and 40,000 pound a year for elite groups of people. It's like, you know, these are things that I can do, but I choose not to do them because I know I could make more money doing what I'm doing right now with the time I've got. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, Simon Zushi is a classic example of that. Simon started off doing it himself. Now he's got a whole group of people that actually do the education and treat and teaching for him with the PIN Property Investors Network. Yeah. So Simon's a classic example of how he's multiplied his hours, how he's assessed his risk, he's optimized his returns, and he doesn't have reliance on individual investments. He's actually diversified what he does but he's multiplied his efforts by bringing other people in to help him. Um, exposure to different economic drivers is another with different ones. Um, now, different investments are influenced by different economic factors. You've got the current government just now, property investment. You've got um, you've got the inflation. You've got uh, base rates. You've got all these different things. So you've got to uh, you've got to realise you've got currency fluctuations if you're investing in a different. Uh, area completely it has different currencies, so you you need to uh, you need to assess your e- your exposure to these different different economic drivers and see if there is a risk there or not. And remember, overall, to be adaptable to each market change. So as your portfolio changes, be equipped to change the market, the conditions of these cycles overall, and market environments and diversifications enables your portfolio to remain resilient. I mean, portfolio is in everything you're actually doing. 
everything you're kind of involved in, all these different side hustles. That's a that's kind of your portfolio. I'm not talking about just stocks and shares. And summary, diversifying um, all these different things is a fundamental strategy for managing your risk, optimizing your returns, enhancing your overall stability um, and, and of your investments portfolio. And by spreading your investments, you can and your time investments as well. You can mitigate the impact of individual investment risks and increase the likelihood of achieving the long-term financial goals. Because as one sector goes down, you've possibly got another sector that's increasing. We've always said it. Sometimes as letting, if lettings are suffering, sales usually benefits. Sales are suffering, lettings usually benefits. And that's how it does. Just so happens both are actually um, perfect right now. And they're, oh, they're yeah, both on the high. Um, so we've been lucky that way. Um, but also maintenance as well. That's why we did that. that. So maintenance is down. So we don't get really an income from maintenance division anymore. But we still got the other things which are booming. And that's where our efforts go into it. So there's no real great desire for me. Because somebody said, is it, is it, you know, do you ever think you'll start the maintenance division again? I went, yeah, if the right person comes along, it can work with me. Point, yeah. tractor and becomes that maintenance division. Yes, I will start it again. But in the meantime, I've not got no rush to go out and do it and find that person. Because... We're making hay while the sun shines. Why would you want to go and do something else if you're making hay while the sun shines? Keep it as a side hustle so you can be resurrected when you need it. But stick to that now. And I've always said, if it all went pear-shaped tomorrow and we, we, we you know, it, it, I lost everything, hey, I could always go back to being a cleaner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where I started. A window cleaner. And an industrial cleaner with my dad. I could always go back to doing that. Doesn't it bother me? So I've always got something. I've always got the luxury that my lifestyle doesn't protrude to the fact that I need to earn thousands and thousands of pounds of money. Yeah, I've got the things that I can do as one-offs with the thousands and thousands of pounds of money, possibly. Mm -hmm. And I would do that, but I don't need to maintain that all the time because I don't buy into this. I hated the fact, and this is I hated it, the copiers, the Xerox copiers that people used to come around to your companies and they used to sell you a Xerox copier and they wouldn't sell you the Xerox copier. They would say to you, for every copy you do, you pay us five pence for the use of that machine. So they're leasing it to you. Yeah. And it's like, I don't do leases and I don't do, I don't do ongoing costs. I'll buy my own printer and do it myself because it's a lot cheaper. That's what I that's what I didn't like the fact of buying into things that you have to keep paying all the time for. You know, I'm not a big fan of software, but it's a necessary evil. Um, so this brings us nicely to law six. Educate yourself about wealth creation. Richard, over to you. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what we're doing today, and we do every week. And and uh, educating yourself about wealth creation is such an important one. It's it's law number six um, on the agenda today. And yeah. regrettably, the lack of knowledge uh, about wealth creation has the effect of intensifying the emotions of fear and greed and causing investors to react um, and at times overreact to market conditions. We're seeing that at the moment. Yeah. Some investors are overreacting and they're selling off their portfolios and they're stuck and it may not be the best uh, decision. Isn't it, isn't it great? Because as people <laughs> run for the hills and are fearful, I'm buying. Yeah. And this kind this kind of attitude and things does prevent a lot of people from becoming financially independent. And this is why it's important to educate yourself about wealth creation, uh, as it will enable you to achieve financial success and build yeah. long-term wealth. And ultimately, that's what the goal is here, if, that's what, if you're getting involved in wealth creation. Gaining that required knowledge and understanding about personal finance, investment strategies, 
financial market um, markets empowers you to make informed decisions and avoid costly mistakes. And this is broken down, uh, and we're going to cover uh, the the, uh, the bits of, the, of basically educating yourself with uh, wealth creation. And seven, seven steps, Richard, in this yeah. last episode, right? Um, let's be brief and let's be quick yeah. because I'm getting the I'm getting the. By the way, do you see what time it is? <laughs> I was just we've, we've run over a wee bit. We've got an appointment. We've got to be down somewhere to meet someone. For a, it's actually a project we're working on. We're working with the local community here in Spain. Uh, to do cats and release for the for the cats and kittens to neuter and spay them so yeah, they have right. you know because what happens is the town the town council just take them in and gas them and kill them which is which isn't the greatest um, they, they don't want to have the cats and release thing so we've actually we're working with the local community here in order to do that and and fund that project so this is the type of things i want to do and this is why i built wealth for that reason because this is this is this is my passion well i will run through these um seven points so i mean firstly um, improved financial decision making is the first one financial education equips you with the tools and knowledge needed to make sound financial decisions and that is such as budgeting saving investing and planning for retirement like we've already spoke about today and in previous yep. shows risk management is the next one and understanding the risks associated with various investments and financial strategies allows you to better manage those risks and minimize potential losses and think that's, that's a really important one as well, risk management yep. and risk analysis. Increased confidence, and as I say, confidence comes with knowledge, and financial literacy can boost your confidence in managing your money, and uh, which in turn can lead to more better financial habits with yourself, such as regular savings and investing. Okay. Um, independence and self-reliance is a really important one again. When you're knowledgeable and uh, you are knowledgeable and you know about wave creation, you become less reliant on external advice. Although I would say it's always good to listen to others that are successful yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and draw from that. And you can make more inf informed decisions independently, uh, while obviously professional guidance can still be valuable, as I said. Right? Yeah. Goal yeah. setting and planning, goals, planning and setting is really important in, in terms of financial education. And it helps you understand the importance of setting realistic, achievable financial goals and developing a con comprehensive plan to reach your goal. And then adapting to changing circumstances like the economic situation we're in at the moment and, and locations from the government, um, economic um, conditions and market trends and personal financial situations can change over time. So financial education enables you to adapt your wealth creation yes, strategies yeah. to evolve to these ever-changing circumstances and these will always always be a factor in wealth creation and finally and last but not least is long-term financial success educating yourself about wealth creation contributes to a growth mindset and a commitment to continuous learning which are essential for long-term financial success Absolutely. As you expand your knowledge and skills, you become better equipped to capitalise on your opportunities, yes. navigate the challenges through the financial journey. The point of readiness is where opportunity meets preparation. Yeah. That's it. So that's the point of readiness. You are anybody out there that's doing this and starting this journey for the first time, you are preparing yourself for when the opportunity appears. And believe yeah. it or no, the opportunity appears all the time every day in front of you. You you just don't see it because you're not prepared, you've not got that you've not got to that point of readiness here because you've not prepared yourself enough so what you're doing here is preparing yourself every single time uh, and i think that's the most important thing so educating yourself about wealth creation is vital let's see a, a couple of things on 
on our questions and answers, comments, and all the rest of it. See if we've got anything here. And see if anybody's saying anything before we wind up. Um, any questions? A lot of people have joined. Thanks very much. History shows that um, pets that inherited uh, money and drawing. I'm not really sure what Stevie Boyd's saying. <laughs> he's, he's doing all shortened uh, speech, I think. Uh, I will say, if people are watching the rerun, Jim, they can still put in the comments and we'll pick it up and, and also yeah. message us direct uh, if yeah. you're watching the rerun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody says, okay then, thank you very much. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> well, that's a statement itself. Okay then, yeah, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> um, and as we go through, uh, yeah, enjoyed that. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much, Fraser Johnson. Um, good. Um, so that's it. There's there's no really questions, which is which is brilliant. Um, if you get a chance, go back on the rerun. We do have our YouTube channel, which is uh, Five Properties TV, the, the Wealth Creation Show playlist, um, and and possibly take notes about where all these things are because we've done quite a lot of uh, we've done the six laws of wealth creation. But within these laws, we've done the sub-laws sub as well in order to get there. And once you get that down, um, then you'll start to formulate some sort of process forward for yourself. But it's, it's just it's just understanding that. Um, uh, and that's it. You know, that's us. We're done. I'm ready. Thanks, ready for I'm ready for <laughs> right, Jim. You have fun. And we will be back next Monday at 12.30, of course. Um, until then... See you later. Bye. Thank you very much, folks. Bye-bye.